Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I'm your host, Gormy, and I'm glad you're here with us today. Today is is another... We've, we've had a couple unique episodes in this string, and I think this one's going to be good. This is another continuation of talking about my journey, um, not going into the good old days or any of that or what I'm eating right now. But uh, on the line, I have John Shane, the Keto Road, and John and I are going to take you inside uh, are, are basically kind of take you into a coaching call where we're going to talk about uh, where I'm headed right now, what happens when I hit goal, and how we approach what comes after that, and then what comes next, like what happens when I'm not working with him anymore. I gathered some of your questions from Instagram, got a couple, and um, I'm just excited to see where this goes. How you doing today, today, John? Oh, not too bad, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I know you're you're busy with a lot of stuff going on, so I appreciate you taking some time to talk about this today. Yeah, for uh, sure, man. No, I'm happy to do it. I'm excited to talk to you. Cool. So I think we should just uh, kind of get into what we're what we're going to talk about. You and I have had a couple conversations of late because as of right now, I'm I'm 17 pounds from my stated weight goal, which you know is 199. Um, it's kind of mind-boggling to me to be at that point and uh, to think that it's less than 20 pounds because when I normally look at people that say they have 20 pounds to lose, I'm like, why are you even thinking about that? Um, but I, I know that I'm, I'm clearly thinking about it and focused on it. So what I'd like to start us off with, I guess, is just if you can start, if you can talk I can't speak today. Apparently, I have no words. Um, if you, <laughs> I know can, I have that effect on people. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've got me speechless, John. Speechless. Um, <laughs> let's let's start talking about. So, what happens now? Like, because we're, I, I think, you know, our relationship as client and coach has has evolved uh, since we started working together in October of 2018, and now we're kind of on the last legs of the weight loss portion of this journey. Uh, where where do you come from as a coach when you're working with someone uh, who's headed to this point? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And actually, so it's funny, you're one of my, I, I've had one other client, but you're one of the first clients that I've ever had that has gotten to this point. And um, it's always interesting. It's it's so exciting. You know, you're excited for the human as a, you know, because especially at this point, you developed a relationship with the person. It's become from a cl coaching client to more of a friendship and you've like really watched them grow and especially like with the my style of coaching you know it's it's not just about the macros and the scale but it's about you know your relationship with food and your mindset and you know usually at this point there's been such a great development in those areas that it's just awesome you feel like you're coaching a whole new person than who you first met and it's really cool and you know so it, in terms of like technicalities from this point we're going to obviously get you to the end, which can be stubborn. Like I've learned over the course of the years of like me doing my own cuts and then working with people that, you know, the last 15, 20 pounds is so stubborn. 
Um, and I don't mm. know if it's a mindset thing. I don't know if you decided you wanted to lose another 50, these 20 would just melt off. Like, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, people just the last 15 to 20 pounds is stubborn. And so you have to be diligent and you have to be consistent and you have to really have your vision has to be bigger than what you what than the scale number that's right in front of you every morning because it's going to play mind games on you, which I know that you've experienced, especially of late. And mm-hmm. so it's a fight at the end. But, but once you get there, though, once we get there, um, then obviously we're going to be focusing on reverse dieting. Um, we're going to get you back up to a amount of calories that you are comfortable eating, that you're happy, you're, you're, you're full every day, you're getting plenty of, of food in you. Um, but yet you're still maintaining the, the low weight that we got you down to. Great. And I want to, I want to get into that part eventually, but I, I don't want to jump too far ahead to that. Um, so I, I, I hope I'm not, you know, kind of, I don't want to derail your train of thought, but I, I don't want to, I, cause I have some real questions about that, that I would, I would want to ask you, like, I, I want to kind of stay in this place right now of talking about this, these last pounds. Um, because like you said, like I have struggled like the past two weeks, like I, I've, you know, I, I would say like almost 40 to 50% of my week, I've been like falling into a bad headspace, you know, whether it's due to swings on the scale or just the anxiety of being in this phase coming up. So, you know, what, what has it been like for you when I've had those moments? Cause I know I've had a couple where like, I've really reached out to you and been like, you know, okay, I feel like I just want to throw this all away. Like what the hell, like I, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a great space today. Like, what what do you do when that happens? Like what what has been your thoughts when that happens? You know, it's so interesting um, uh, from the coach's perspective because you know, as a fitness enthusiast, I've dealt with that myself, and so there's a there there there's a point there, there's an amount of compassion, an amount of I don't want to use the word annoyance, but it's like mm-hmm. you're already like like we've seen these fluctuations before, so like watching you struggle and like beat yourself up like you're you're inducing like self mental harm and watching you do that when we already know this is going to happen can be frustrating to watch. But at the same time, I understand it because I've been there. I know what it's like to lose the last 15 pounds. And when you get on that scale and it doesn't budge, it pisses you off. And then when the scale goes up, it's like, what the, you know? <laughs> so mm. it, it, it's mixed emotions for me as a coach. It's, you know, because I understand I have compassion and I, I have perspective and I understand what it's like to be there. But from the outside looking in and wanting you to be healthy mentally, I know that those fluctuations, you don't always necessarily handle them the best. And so that bothers me to mm. watch that uh, like happen. No, I, I think you're right. Like I, I don't like because it, it has been a consistent piece of of our journey together. You know, my fluctuations like. We know there's certain days of the week and things along those lines, like whether it's because my sleep is horrible because of trivia or work stress builds up or whatever. Um, I I have weigh-ins sometimes, you know, we can watch. You know, I think if we were to, to pull up a graph for everyone of of my daily weigh-ins, like to see that, like clearly they would see that there isn't a straight line. Like there's, tre- there's a trend. Like you pull out a big picture and clearly there's a trend. When we started working together, I was 293. And today I'm 216, so there, I've clearly lost weight. But I still fall into that mental trap of, of seeing the fluctuations messing with me. And I think that's something that I just, I'm trying to get more conscious of. Like, con- what's the best way to phrase it? Like, obviously I'm conscious of it. I know it's happening. Um, 
but getting more conscious of how I react and not letting it throw me so much because I have let it throw me lately. And I think it's because I'm so close to the finish line that you want, yeah. you want the, you want the last steps of the race to be easier. And I, I know in a weight loss journey that they're not, I know, like I, I talk to people all the time that, you know, when someone, you know, I talk to someone who's 600 pounds and they're like, I lost 22 pounds this week. That's awesome. Right. And I, in my head, I'm immediately like, well, yes, that's awesome because clearly you have a massive amount of, of, of weight to lose and water to lose. And you've, you've been overeating. So if you're restricting, like now you're going to see that weight fly off. But then I talk to someone who's got 25 pounds to lose. Who's like, I've been keto for a month and I've only lost four pounds. And I know my advice to them is different than the advice I give to myself. And I think I have to start trying to really kind of reframe the advice I give myself, if that makes sense. Like try to look at myself from that perspective and realize that like, and this is something I was talking with someone else about today. Like when you go from being, you know, almost 500 pounds again to losing as much weight as I have, like I've basically been putting my body through trauma for almost three years now, like changing the stasis point of the body, changing where your body wants to be and all of that, like is work mentally and physically. And so expecting up for some reason that I'm going to glide through these last 20 pounds, I think is, is silly on my part, like is, is kind of more like the same, the same attitude that people have when they talk about wanting to lose weight loss without having to look at without having to change anything. You know, I want to lose weight without really having to change anything. Well, you know, I want to, I want to just keep doing what I've been doing and see these last pounds come off. But I know now that it's the, the struggle gets a little more real because you know, we're getting to that point, you know, like you said, whether it's mental or physical, you know, it's, it's happening. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think weight loss journeys are a lot like any kind of like sporting event. Like, so for me, long-term healthy weight loss is like a marathon. It's not a sprint. A lot of people try to treat weight loss like a sprint and that a lot of them gain their weight back. Right. And so it's a mm. marathon. There's a lot of there's a lot of factors. There's a lot going on. It's a long distance run. And if you ask an ultra marathoner, if he runs 80 miles, the last 10 miles suck. There's probably a lot of times within that 10 miles you try to quit. It gets like it's super hard the whole time. You're constantly going, I give up. This is dumb. Right. But they keep taking the next step. And that last 10 miles might be there. It might take them longer to run those 10 than any of the others. But they push through and get mm. to the finish line. And I think that the same can be reflected for like long weight loss journeys for the people listening and you know, like you that have lost hundreds of pounds, you know, those last 10 miles, those last 20 pounds can be really hard. And there can be lots of times you're trying to talk yourself out of it, but something in you just keeps going. And, you know, so I think something to consider is that like anything that's challenging and worth getting in life, I think the very last couple of steps are always the hardest. Definitely. I think that makes sense. So that's kind of like the mindset of the, of the last 17 pounds, the actual, like let's in terms of how we approach this nutritionally, is it the exact same course that we followed before? Like, do you have, do you take a different tactic when you're trying to, to, to squeeze off the last pounds? Like what, what happens there? Yeah, that's a great question. So it really depends on the person like with you. So, so last time, so we reverse dieted twice. This is the second right. time we've cut down. And so with you, like I think I just started doing refeeds for you, which 
if you compare that to the last time we cut down, I actually started getting them to you quite early. Um, and the reason I did that is to try and trigger your thyroid and, and your other hormones to kind of, and your leptin to kind of skyrocket so that we can kind of like keep you as high fat burning as possible. Um, and so doing little tweaks like that to see how your body responds, I might like try stuff like that that I wouldn't normally try if like, you know, we have like 80 pounds to lose, I'm just going to try and keep it steady. Whereas right mm. now you have to get a little bit more creative with the energy output and the energy input to try and get your hormones to respond differently to give you a better result. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's 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 assume that this all goes well. You know, as much as you know, I'm sure there'll be days that I'm I'm still crying to you. Um, <laughs> And, and it's okay, man. Jazz. I have napkins for you. Oh uh, yeah, I'm for I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, like let's so I get to my goal weight, you know, I get to that that point. Uh what do we do then? So at that point, we're gonna so at that point we're gonna start reverse dieting. Um and for those of you that don't know, reverse diet is basically the exact opposite of a diet. It's slowly increasing calories so that you minimize fat gain. You can even lose some more weight while you're reverse diet if you do it properly, but it's going to slowly increase your metabolism to where you can get back up to where you were eating before you started dieting, but still have maintained the same amount of weight that you have now. In fact, to give you an example of this, I um, I had a client recently that came to me at the end of doing the 90-day DSK program, and... He was 172 pounds and was eating 1,655 calories a day. As of last week, he was eating 2,655 calories a day, and he was 158. He lost another 14 pounds. Yeah, crazy. So when handled properly, um, it can be really advantageous to do a reverse diet. So this definitely would be the next step was getting you back up to normal so that your hormones balance out. And because we, we got you up there, so your metabolism kind of upregulated, but we didn't really hold it long enough for you to get like good hormone balance. So I think after we get the weight off, the next focus is going to be getting you back up to maintenance so that your hormones and your just your bodily functions can really start to focus on repairing and healing and balancing out. And is is it just a raising of the calories as we go through? Like what is... What goes into that process? Like what goes into the process of like planning those steps for the reverse diet? So, I mean, if that really, make, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, I think I understand what you're saying. And if, and, if, and if I answer this wrong, let me know. But for me, sure. it's not like, it's not like I have like, I'm not technically, when it comes to reverse diet in particular, like a diet, like the full diet plan, I always try to play 10 steps ahead. But in the reverse diet stage in particular, it's really a week by week case. Like I don't, I don't try to plan too far ahead because your body is going to respond different to every set of calories, which is why like I try mm-hmm. to tell people, you know, when I'm looking at your calories, like when I give you new macros the next week, I'm not going off of a, a an algorithm and formula that I made and I punched in your weight and height and it gave me a bunch of numbers for every week. I'm taking into consideration the macros I had you at and how your weight responded, how you're feeling, and then the trend I see throughout your spreadsheet. And then I develop a new pair of macros. Um, of course, sometimes that can look really simple to the client. You know, he sees five grams missing on fat and none on protein. It's like, oh, that's real simple. That was easy. But he doesn't understand all the thought process I put into making that number. He just sees the simple five gram change. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say it's not really like, there's not like a 
big like game plan. It's more of just a week by week adjusting it, seeing how your body responds and, and acting accordingly. I think that makes sense. Uh, it, it does to me. Hopefully it does to other people out there. Like, And I think that concept of, of reverse dieting is the piece that a lot of people miss when they go on a weight loss journey. Um, and, and you and I have discussed that, but like it's it, a lot of times it's one day you're dieting, the next day you're not, you know, and instead of like trying to, you know, or even if they do decide to go, like, I know, like in the past, like I'm sure it's different now. And I'm sure I've got people listening that are using like Weight Watchers. And I know like for me, my experience with Weight Watchers was you hit your goal weight and then they move you right to maintenance. Like, and that can be, you know, hundreds of calories more the next day um, in terms of how like you kind of move into that phase. And maybe it's different now. Again, I'm not trying to to speak to that, but I, I think the reverse diet is something that a lot of people just don't even think about. So it's, it's, it's interesting to me, like to be approaching it from that direction and, and thinking that, you know, it doesn't, the, the finish line of the weight loss portion of the journey isn't the end, if that makes sense. No, it does. And that's a great point, you know, and, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle, you know, and like you said, a lot of people don't know reverse dieting is. It's funny because, you know, I talk about it. Robert talks about it. There's a couple of people that, that talk about this reverse dieting nowadays, but it's still such a foreign concept to the masses. You know, I mean, I 90% of my clients, when I get them, they have, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to reverse diet you first. You need to, and they're like, what? You're going to increase my calories? No, you're crazy. Mm. And then they start losing weight and they're like, this makes no sense. <laughs> and it just cracks me up. And it's like, so, but it's still such a foreign concept. And the problem with that too is that if you're not, you've been through it twice, so you kind of have an ideal, but a lot of people don't. And so when the reverse diet starts, they don't have a goal at the end of that reverse diet. Like there's nothing making them be extremely strict in the reverse mm. diet. Like, you know, even for me, as an example, you know, I, I prepped for a show for like 27 weeks and I knew the reverse diet was coming, but I had no idea what it entailed. I didn't understand the mindset I should have towards it. And so after my show was done and I started reverse dieting, um, it was very hard for me to be, to, to me follow it. In fact, I didn't follow it. There's a reason like that I gained so much more body fat back. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I think I've put on like 40 pounds since my show, you know, I'm not like, you know, I'm not obese or anything, but I'm definitely a lot more chunky right. than I would like to be. And that was because I didn't have a goal at the end of the reverse diet. I was just kind of winging it, trying to figure it out. And I think a lot of people, their goal is just that goal weight. And then after that, they think they're done and they don't have a goal. They don't have a reason to stick to this. And so they kind of lose, I don't want to say hope, but they definitely lose like the determination to like, you know, stay healthy and, 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 mm -hmm. you know, they don't have a goal. So they just kind of like, and so once they hit that goal weight, they're like, okay, who am I? I know we kind of had similar conversations. You understand that thought process of like, okay, who am I at this point? I don't even exist. Oh God. You know, and it's just so much right. easier to go back to the old ways because there was no goal set up after the, the after the scale got to where you wanted it to be. Um, and so you kind of have like this weird, like mind freak out. And so I think, you know, if you're going to take that reverse dieting process, which everybody should, if they're dieting, it's important to know that the, that the, the scale weight, getting down, dieting down to that scale weight is not the end goal. The end goal is getting back up to a healthy maintenance while still maintaining that scale weight. That's the end goal. Mm. 
And what do you think are, because like this is, I, I think we're talking well about the physical side of the reverse diet. Like where, because I know, and, and I want to, I want to start getting into like the mental, the mindset side of, of reverse dieting. Because I know for me, uh, there's something really scary on some levels about that because we're talking, I've been focusing so long on re reducing and restricting. And, you know, even though I've been through an actual reverse diet with you before, like now we're looking at it as the reverse diet does head to the finish line in terms of at least our working together. So what, wh how, what is your approach when it comes to working on helping someone work on their mindset in this phase of it? Like, what are the things that you think you think are important to really the important questions for for me to be asking myself and and for you to be asking me? That is a great question. That is a loaded question. <laughs> That's a loaded mm. question. There's a lot of things to think about. You know, I think the big one when it so because you got to think so if we're reverse dieting and not and not a reverse diet in the middle of like a dieting program. So like with some of my clients, I'll reverse diet them like I did with you and then I'll cut them and then reverse diet them and cut them. But that final reverse diet to get them back to normal because they're at their goal weight and it's time to get them back to normal and stabilize them and then send them on their way. I think one of the biggest things um, – I know we've talked about this. One of the biggest things that I want to try and challenge them to do as that reverse diet progresses is how they view their life and its centralization around food. Because one thing a lot of people um, don't think about is once you're done with the reverse diet at the end of a dieting phase, like in all in all actuality, your 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 life isn't revolved around food at all anymore. And up to that point, even if it was healthy, even if it was controlled and it was restricted, and you were counting all your macros and blah blah blah, your 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 day to day was still about the food you're eating. Like you had to focus on it because you had to make sure you're hitting your macros. Like that's just it. And so now you're getting to a point where like that shouldn't be the focal point anymore. Like you're there, you did it. There's no reason for it to be like the center of your day thing, even in a positive way. Like it 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 should just be a part of your day. It shouldn't be your day. And so I think that's probably the biggest mindset shift and and development is and getting them. To, to see that and make that shift as we head towards the end. So I think that, and then also them being able to develop, and, and, and I try to work on this throughout the, the throughout my programs. Like it's not like I just work on this at the end, but making sure that they have a development of worth towards themselves so that I don't have to be there to hold them accountable. I love being there. But you should be able to hold yourself accountable, not because you're going to get in trouble if you have a pint of, you know, keto pint or something, but you should be able to know, you know, you should be able to have that balance and hold yourself accountable in terms of doing what's best for you and what makes you feel good and what's healthy for you. And so helping them develop that sense of accountability and worth towards themselves as we progress through the reverse, I think is also, um, has has great value and is very important. So those would be my two top mindset shifts I think can be very challenging at the end game um, that a lot of people don't make. You know, there's not, a lot of coaches don't challenge their clients and the people they're doing on their own don't know how to make those changes. And so when they get done dieting, even when they hit maintenance, they'll go and like have a binge fest a week later. They'll go on vacation and gain like 20 pounds back. And they'll be like, what happened? I'm like, well, you ha you didn't work on your self worth. You didn't work on holding yourself accountable because you wanted to do what was best for your body, you know. And 
and you know you didn't work on making sure that food wasn't the focal point of vacation but that food is just part of your vacation and you know those things weren't worked on and so i think those mindset those mind those mindset those mindset shifts mm. uh, at that part at that phase of your dieting process i think are so important even though I know people are expecting like a whole like, oh, remember your why. But I think that that's pretty instilled in most diet programs during the whole facet of it. So I think that the two that I try to work on with you and other people are probably the much more vital and underrated and swept under the rug mindset shifts that should happen at the end of of, of the programs. Great. And I, I because I want this discussion to be an opportunity for us to kind of to not just kind of talk about how this applies to everyone, but really talk about my journey. So thinking about kind of where we're at and where you know what what you see of my mindset right now, like what what is your big what are the things the big things like looking at those those two pieces, like where do you think my focus is gonna need to be when when I get into that? So I think I know I've talked. We've talked a little bit about this before. Like I think that your t- you your value of yourself and who you are and what you've come from is top dollar. I think even though you struggle, even though you have you have bad days, because who doesn't? You have a value of your body and what it's been through and what it's carried you through that a lot of people don't have. Like you, you really understand that. Like, you take time to appreciate your body for what it's put you through, and you take time to feed it quality foods. You're taking all this time to make sure it gets to a healthy weight. Like. You value your body, and I know that even if you have bad days, like you're going to hold yourself accountable for the simple fact that you care about your body. You've developed a care and a self-worth for your body. So I think that that subject, you, you do stellar on, and I would just encourage you to keep working on that and keep developing it, and don't ever take your body for granted. You know, I think that – but in mm. terms of like that mindset, I think you're stellar. The one thing that I really want you to focus on and work on as we progress in this is not letting food be the center of everything because I think that even even though you're not eating, you know, you're not slamming down those obnoxious meals that you tell everybody about Mm. anymore, you're eating, you know, the macros that you're given and everything's pre-planned and prepared, you still think about this stuff all the time. You know, you wake up, what's my day look like? What's my food look like? Oh, am I hungry? Am I not hungry? Oh, food this. Oh, I forgot, you know, oh, I need to bring this to work. I need to bring this food to work. I need to make sure I eat here. Oh, when you go out, when you go out to hang out with your friends, it's, oh, what restaurants are we going to? Okay, what's the food? Does it have a food menu? Let's look at the dishes. Let's look at the macros. Like, because you're focused on healing your body with food, which is a good thing, Food is still the focus. It's been the focus right. since when you were eating bad till now. And so your challenge is going to be to let that go, to realize mm. that once you get to maintenance, food should not be the first thought when you think of things like it is right now. Like Because you're at maintenance, you're good. You have self-worth. You have that accountability. You'll have an idea of macros and you'll be able to track them, but they're not like it's not like your life is contingent upon hitting the macros on the money because you're already there. You're just living your life now, right? You're just living your mm-hmm. life and enjoying it as someone that got their body to a healthy weight that is feeling good. And so the challenge is just to not make your life about the food anymore in a positive or negative way. Like it's just the food is just there. And you eat keto because it makes you feel good. It helps with your inflammation. And so you enjoy 
eating that way. Um, and that that's it. Like that is it. And I think that that, even though it sounds simple, is a very complicated, when actually put into action and challenging yourself to separate the two, um, it can be a very challenging mind shift. Oh, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I think that idea of, of not planning out seven days in advance is daunting to me. Like that idea of, because like, even like, even like right now, like as much as I, like I, I, I make the distinction for people that I don't have the same food obsession that I had before. Like food isn't always like before food was the only thing on my mind. Now it's, it's still there. And food is, is the center of this journey of mine for sure. But I don't, I don't feel the, the, the same kind of insane pressure to eat it. Like I did before, like the, 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 the obsession or the focus is different. Like it's, it's now on, am I using this tool correctly? Like, what am I, am I planning this properly? Like, is this going to get me to where I want to be right now? So I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I think it's for me, like really figuring out how to let go of that without slingshotting the obsession in the other direction again. Cause that's what I've done before. Like you're saying, like, it's never, I've never had a point in my life where it hasn't been the, the focus of everything. If that makes sense. Exactly. So what you have to do is you have to find that medium of, okay, I'm not going to stress if I don't have everything planned out. I'm just going to make sure it's keto food. I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to track, not like on the money. You know, I'm like, okay, I know what that, I know about how much food that is. And, and if right. I want to track it, cause I want to be aware of uh, conscious of what I'm eating, I can. But if it's like 10 macros over what I know my maintenance is, I'm not going to start having, you know, like the, the anxiety sweats about it. Um, right. it is what it is. And I'm just enjoying my life. And because if you do that, now you're letting the food control you instead of just living your life and food just being a part of that life. And I think, yeah, I think you have to find that that ground because if you don't, it's very easy to – instead of keeping – so you're trying to get rid of a positive like focus on food and then it becomes mm -hmm. a negative focus on food instead of just making it to where you're not focusing on the food and – and, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard because I know like people listen to that and they can be like, oh, so you don't want a positive view on food. No, I don't think that you should. F I don't think that at the end of a dieting program, when you're about to just start living life and just being you and, and the food isn't the thing that is like dictating where you're at at a certain like weight goal anymore. Like you're there, you've won, you're, you have achieved victory. So now it's about maybe building muscle or it's about you know, getting things done on your bucket list, you know, and making sure that food is not like the focus or dictating your life like it has for so long. Um, and like I said, like, like the more you talk about it, the more, the more you can like re be repetitive and the more complicated the thought process behind it can get. It's, it's, it's very simple to say, but it's very complicated and, and like application at times. I, no, that 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 does make complete sense, and I think because the other thing I've caught myself doing is as we talk about like as we've been talking about this, and as I think about the planning of what comes next for me, like um, you know, a lot of people like one of the questions asked was, you know, are you going to bulk or add muscle? Like, are you what you are you going to follow another plan, you know, to do that? And like, I think for me, one of the things I have to do is figure out life off of a plan, um, not not eating keto like that's not what i'm saying but not not switching immediately to 
now I'm doing a muscle building plan. And I have to, these are my exact macros again, and this is exactly what I need to be doing and, and go right to that place because, and that may be something I decide that I want to do eventually, but I, I feel like personally, like I, I want to kind of dedicate like six months to a year of, of working on what comes next naturally, like kind of what comes next in terms of living life without that obsession so that I'm not, I'm not using another plan as a crutch, if that makes sense. Like not, not running to another tool instead of trying to apply what I, what I say that I've been trying to learn. I think that is a, an amazing plan. And I, completely 100% support that. I think that that's a great plan. I think that's a great goal. You know, looking at it like, okay, so like in terms of keto, since, you know, keto is a topic that we talk about a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you can say, okay, so one of my goals is to make, uh, make it to where keto isn't a diet plan I follow, but it's just part of the life that I live. Right. Like that's a great goal. And that's a goal. That, and what's beautiful is that's a goal that's tangible. That's something you could focus on. So now you have a goal at the end of your reverse diet. For a year straight, your goal is to try and make make food just the healthy foods that you eat and the keto that you eat instead of being, you know, uh chained to a plan to give you control, you just have a better outlook and you're focusing more on your life as in in its entirety and food just happens and keto foods because that's what makes you feel well and allows you to live that life in a great way happens to just be part of that lifestyle that you now live. I think that's a great goal and I think that's a great focus. And I think a year is a because you're gonna have slip ups. You're gonna have days where it doesn't go well. You're gonna have days where like you're obsessing and you're like, okay, how do I learn how to mentally deal with this? How can, you know, do I need to develop a new hobby? Do I need to go like you know, do I need to get into like painting or something? And whenever I have this issue, I just go I just go in my room and shut the door and I just, you know, do my hobbies or whatever. And like Figuring out how to balance that in an actual practical lifestyle way is so advantageous and it will carry you for years. So I think that's a great goal, man. Cool. And some of the things like just other ideas that go along with that that I've been thinking about because I think, you know, I've become, for lack of a better term, you know, obviously changed to a tracking app, you know, since we've been working together because that's where I, you know, figure everything out. and. But I, I think what I've I've pulled back big picture and realized that as much if I want to approach taking away the tracking tightly and, and all of those different pieces, like I need to try to figure out something that I can put in place that will replace the routine aspect of that in a in a way that works me towards this other goal. So just even something I've thought about is figuring out even if whether it's specific questions or not, like some kind of daily journaling about how I'm feeling, like just tracking kind of like how, how the day went, not, not about writing down everything I ate or anything along those lines. But if I notice I have a day where I have more cravings, I can make a note about that and try to figure out what's going on. If, if I, I have a way in where I notice that things are off, like what's, you know, I can look back and say, well, I had these three days where I was really stressed out or I had X, Y, and Z, like try to put it into like bigger picture terms, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. And I think that that's a great way of learning your body. Uh, you know, it's kind of, we, we talked about before when you were, we, we've discussed like when you do, you know, get to that point of trying to figure this all out, you know, how practicing intuitive eating. And one of the big mm -hmm. ones was, you know, the first couple of weeks while you're eating your maintenance calories or maybe even doing a slight surplus or whatever you want to do, like 
writing down and taking notice of how certain amounts of food make you feel and getting mm-hmm. used to that so that and then you know maybe one day a week don't track and eat just eat normal and be cognitive and try to try to feel for those feelings that you know registers right. a certain caloric amount or certain fat to protein ratio it's kind of like I was telling you you know I've been in the off season for for 6 plus months now and I eat around 3500 calories a day right now like I know when I hit 3500 like it's very rare that I can eat over that and not notice it because like my stomach gets a certain amount of like fullness no matter what I eat mm. um and so I know when I've about hit that number and every time I track it after I eat I'm almost always on the money it's like 33 to 36 it's like right there and you know i know that if i'm really lethargic after a meal if i'm real tired i know i had way more protein than fat right um and because i know my body so like i do track most days but days i don't i'm very i've learned my body very well and so i know what what means what and so right i think i think writing that stuff down and figuring that out is huge and it's going to allow you to navigate your life better and work on stress cuz then you're like you know if if you start to have cravings you can go okay so instead of me focusing on getting rid of the cravings, I know the cravings mean something deeper. Let me focus on work. Maybe I need to take a day off of work because I'm just stressed out, man. And so like now the way your body's responding in terms of your relationship with food can help you figure out other aspects of your life and focus on those instead because the food shouldn't be the focal point. The cravings come, you know how to fight cravings. You just, you know, you you, you recognize them, you fight them like you always do. And then the next day you obviously like you figure out what what do you think caused them and then you work on that thing and so now you're working on the roots of the issues and you're actually like like fixing and working on your life as a whole and not just the the symptom of cravings in and your relationship with food because that's just a small part of a much bigger life that you're living now and i think a part of it that that even as is kind of coalescing more in my head as we're talking right now is one, like having some real honesty with myself about what's happening when I'm eating after. Um, because I, I've, I've said before in other podcasts and in other interviews with people, and even when we were talking, like that that first year and a half that I was keto, that I was, or I was intuitive eating and then intuitive eating stopped working. Um, I think when I think about it, like I, I wasn't really intuitive eating. Because I think intuitive eating implies that you're you're being in touch with your feelings, you're being in touch with how you react to things, and and that sort of piece. I think I was more doing like mindless keto, like I, I wasn't thinking about what I was eating at all. I wasn't thinking about like I knew to have keto foods. I knew what keto foods were. I knew that I was staying under a certain carb amount, but I wasn't necessarily practicing. How do I feel like how how does this amount of food that I've eaten so far today made me feel like how is this working how how is this working out like it was more you know often about like how can I fit in enough food to get you know how can I fit in enough net carbs and everything to fit the hit the carb level I want to get to and like let me just eat enough so that I'm not hungry but sometimes that meant eating overeating because I was responding to cravings and hunger um I think it it does need to be a more mindful approach and it doesn't necessarily need to be like you're saying, like every box is ticked off. Every, every point on the, on a list is checked every day. Every, every gram is counted and scooped, but I have to, 
build start building because that i i guess it's it, the best way to put it is like look at my life like where i've been like i was 540 pounds like clearly like because there's people out there like even in the keto sphere who'll just say you know as long as you're eating ketogenic food eat until you're not hungry anymore and that's the approach they tell people to follow and i think i've learned that if i eat until my body's not hungry anymore i put on massive amounts of weight like if i just mindlessly do that if i'm not actually thinking about what i'm eating and, and what Am I eating more fat than protein and all of that? Like, I think I need to start being kind of more more honest with how the my emotions impact food, because I I've lived like I I've also said before I've lived most of my life saying that I wasn't an emotional eater until I really started controlling my food intake and realized that I was numbing myself with food, and so I don't want to get back to a point where I'm using food as that crutch again. Um, so trying to stay aware of how I'm feeling, I think is going to be really important for me going forward. Yeah, I think that's key. And I think that that's why, like for me personally, I think tracking, especially at the beginning, is vital. And it's important because a lot of us don't realize how jacked up our hunger signals are. A lot of us don't mm. realize how addicted, we, how, how addicted we are to food, how much we use it to cope with things, and how much our, 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 our natural hunger signals have been blunted to be able to feed this appetite that we have for this drug that we call food. And I think, mm. I feel like a lot of people that um, say that in the keto space to say, Hey, you know, just eat until you're full. I think they really underestimate how blunted most people's hunger hormones really are. Um, and I think it takes more than two months to fix that. I think it takes a year, two years of tracking and getting in the right whole foods and, watching yourself and working on your relationship with food and working on your stress in your life and and learning your body better and there is this development aspect that i think needs to come as we get in touch with our food and our natural signalings in our bodies and we bring all this back after taking the sugar and carbs away um before we try to do an intuitive approach because i, I agree with you actually i think I don't think you're the only person that did intuitive eating. They called it that, but really it's mindless keto. It's just eating. You know, it's eating until you're full. And I'm like, well, what does that even mean? You know, you, you don't check for right. anything else. Like, is your stomach tight? How does your gut feel? You know, I was like, oh, no, I just eat until I don't want to eat anymore. And I'm like, well, that means you're, you're probably all over the place. And right. And so I think that, and that's why like, I advocate tracking, especially during the weight loss part and the, and the reverse diet part, because one, it's just better. It's more strategic, you know, uh, when it comes to accountability and, and how, if you decide to have a coach, they can watch that better and give you better st next steps to progress your journey. But man, it's going to allow you to get in tune with your body. It's going to be making sure that you're being conscious of the nutrient dense foods you're eating. And there's a lot of different small factors that compound together to give you a foundation to when you're done, you can actually work on an intuitive eating approach for a lifestyle like uh, application. I think that makes sense. So I, I want to not really shift gears for a minute, but I, I want to get to a topic that is in a lot of ways for what we've been talking about so far, you know, even the reverse dieting and the, the beginning approach to a more intuitive life or a live, just living my life, not focused on food. There's, there's an elephant in the room that we have to talk about. Uh, and some people ask questions about this and, um, you and I have had some discussions about this topic, and, and that's the big C. 
Okay, I'm scared. Um, What's the big C? I know you're, you're the big C. Uh, people are probably wondering. I know the big C normally is cancer. We're not talking about cancer. So don't anyone okay. else listening be like, oh, Ooh, God, what the I hell are you talking scared. about? I was scared. I'm like, dude, yeah, what are you about to I tell know, me? I, I'm trying to be dramatic for effect, and I think it's working a little bit. I think that's good. It worked good. on me at least. Um, Jesus. Uh, well, that's always good. That's always good that when that when my when my when my my, my stuff lands with you, I know it'll land with someone else at least. Um, at least Miles probably. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about carbohydrates. Oh God! Uh, okay, I, I know, right? So I want to talk about. No, I'm kidding. So yeah. <laughs> so let's. So for those people, like one, I wanna I wanna give some big picture background. So. For those of you who aren't aware, like I, I work with John as as my coach. I, obviously, you know that by this point, if you're listening, if you're, you know, 45 minutes into this with us and you don't know that John's my coach, you clearly are probably intoxicated and need to go to bed um, <laughs> and come come back tomorrow. Rewind. But John coaches me through um, the Deeper State Keto program and a part of the philosophy of the of the coaching and the, our approach to to my dieting is. I count total carbs and my carb level is at 10 grams of carbs a day. Um, I have said to you, I don't want that to be where I live for the rest of my life. Now for people before you start talking and, and we get into this, like I want people to know kind of where I'm coming from. Um, I, I'm not planning to like, I personally from, from how I feel counting total carbs versus how I felt counting net carbs. I don't have plans to switch over to counting um, net carbs, you know, when I get into the, the rest of living my life. There, there may be days where that happens, but those will be days that I choose to kind of go outside of the norm. More so, um, I want to think about raising the level of total carbs that I'm eating and, you know, finding a way to build that into what is my maintenance life. Like, how do we approach that? Like, what? Is that something that comes at all into play in terms of the reverse dieting that we end up doing together? Or is it more something you say, let's strategize how you're going to do this after? Like, where does, where does your head go with that? So that's actually something that I do that's a little bit different than the other DSK coaches probably. Maybe not. I'm not sure. I don't know exactly how they coach their clients. But for me, the, the reverse diet at the end of the dieting program, I definitely do focus on increasing total carbohydrates a little bit as we go. Um, and it's all very individualized. Like my job is to optimize your maintenance calories. So the maintenance calories I'm going to give you is what I know your body responds best to at a maintenance level, if that makes sense. Like I'm not just going to give you mm -hmm. some. like if a client goes, Hey, I want 50 total carbs. I'm like, well, I can't promise you that because I'm going to do what's what I think is best for your body. Um, right. And then if you want to add on to that after we're done, that's at your leisure. But like for instance, I had one client the the, the one that, um, got the calories increased by a thousand that we were talking about earlier that had lost an extra 14 pounds. Um, he eats 25 total carbs a day now, whereas he started at 10 like you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in 25, when you're, when you're used to eating 10, 25 is an obnoxious jump. Um, which is funny. I know a lot of people oh, are yeah. like, 25 total. That's so low. And I'm like, man, when I got on the off season and I ate 25 again, it was like, oh, my stomach couldn't handle it. <laughs> well, I, uh, and that's the funny thing is like, I, I think people don't get sometimes like they hear me say that I eat 10 grams total carbs and they freak out at that idea. I don't think some of you realize that some days I'm struggling to figure out how I'm filling in the 10. Because when you get into that mindset, like it's such such a frame of reference for you that you know exactly, you know, what tweaks and twists. It's not like, 
I plan a day and then I eliminate carbs. It's like some days I add all I add up my plan for the day and I'm like, okay, I'm at eight grams of carbs. Okay, so what am I gonna? Where am I gonna? Where am I gonna adjust this? Like, what do I want to do? Because I do want to hit it. Um, because you know me that I'm a perfectionist, but it's just interesting to me. Like then, so then that idea of 25, I'm like, oh wow, what is yeah? Wow, what like, is 25? Well, also, what we, is you life? Know, <laughs> you know our you know our you know our frame of reference a lot of times like especially with when your carbs are this low is like baby spinach or something along those lines you know one gram of carbs for an ounce so then i'm like 24 ounces of baby spinach is six five of those containers they sell at the supermarket so i mean clearly i'm not going to do that i'm not telling you that yeah I'm but that. it's also but interesting i'm because just saying like, like it huh no go ahead go ahead no, I was just gonna say it's also interesting because like you get to introduce foods you haven't had in forever. Like, I remember right. when mine got up to like twenty. I was like, oh, I can have spaghetti squash. I can have spaghetti with spaghetti squash. Oh, mm. I can't have that. I can't have that. I couldn't have that for eight months. Right. <laughs> I can have a full half cup of something. You can. You will be you able know, to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. So basically, though, so I mean, get back I to did, the technical. I mean, to do, yeah. Yeah. No. 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 We can digress. It's fine. Um. But that, to the technical part of that, so basically I'll treat it like anything else, like every couple, so like basically like as we're reversing at some point, I'm going to increase your carbs to 15. I'm not going to tell you when, I don't want you to anticipate it. Um, is I'm it, just next, is it, it next week? No, I'm just going to increase it to okay. 15 and then we're going to wait a couple more weeks and then I'll increase it to 20. Then we'll increase it to 25. And then like if you start to gain a bunch of water weight, we'll pull it back to 20. If you don't, we get to 30 and you might be fine. Like I don't know. It's just like right. any other aspect of reverse dieting. Every week, we're, your body's going to tell us something, and we're, we're we're speaking to it, we're listening to it, we're understanding it, and we're moving forward with taking it into consideration and how it feels. So, I don't know exactly where you'll land, but we'll definitely play with that number. Uh, I don't think you should worry about it. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. Oh, and I'm not, I don't I don't think I'm worried about it, but I I want it because I know that was one of the things that was really interesting to me when we started talking about it was that idea of not just raising calories to maintenance, but starting to think about, because I, I do think, like I've said to you, like I want to I wanna make sure that I'm at a, at a level that I feel comfortable and sustainable with. And we know that, that the other thing I, I, and this is the other, the other thing that came up in my head the other day. Um, I think because when you're, especially when you're cutting and you're so focused on tracking that you never, you, you think more about what happens if I go over calories and you make sure that you never really go under like, but I know going forward, like it'll also be okay if there's a day where, so say we set my maintenance and it's at X number of calories and it's 25 grams total carbs. If I get to the end of a day and I've had 10 total grams of carbs just because of what I chose to eat that day. And I didn't really, you know, didn't nothing else really hit me and that I wanted to put in or anything along those lines. It's okay to go to bed at night you know, in that place, not from a place of restriction, you know, purposeful restriction, but from when I think about numbers and levels living the rest of my life, I don't have to think about them as these boxes that I have to end up coloring at the end of the day, or I'm a, you know, I get my gold star. I don't like it can be, you know, I, I think there, there, there's room there to, to figure out like, you know, how I'm feeling and what I'm doing and, and how I'm react And like, even when you talk about like reintroducing new foods, like I think for me, like that's something that like even 
like we've talked about, like in the past I've done, and, and there may be some people out there who are familiar with this, especially those who are more in the paleo sphere, the Whole30. And the Whole30 is like a very strict paleo program you do for 30 days. It's about working on your relationship with food. And then one of the things that a lot of people miss with the Whole30 is they end their Whole30 and they just dive right back into all the food they used to be eating. Or they start reintroducing things without thinking about how their bodies react to that reintroduction. And I think for me, the lesson I've taken away from going through rounds of the Whole30 and what we're doing now is that I need to be mindful when I start reintroducing things and realizing if foods are worth it or not. You know, like I love that. The 100% idea, agree the with idea. you. Like the idea of like, because there are, when you get up into that 20, 30 total carb range, it opens the door to some things that I've, I haven't been eating besides vegetables, you know, some vegetables. Um, and besides, you know, being able to have a salad that has like tomatoes and onion and, and mushrooms and everything on it. Um, but more so like, you know, keto bars and all of those sorts of things, you know, keto ice cream, that sort of stuff. And I think like the thing I feel like I want to make sure that I'm thinking about is, okay, great. Just because my number, my, my quote unquote numbers fit now with products, how do I really feel when I eat them? Like having that be a part of my mindfulness going forward, like, okay, great. I can now fit in this brand new bar that just came out. That sounds it'll, like it'll be great. Yada, yada, yada. Eat it, be fine with eating it. And then start to think about, Okay, so then I woke up the next morning and I was bloated or I woke up the next morning and I felt X, Y and Z or I was constipated for two days or my cravings were spiked or things along those lines, like trying to get more because I've been doing that, I think, along the way when I when I try to do those things, like even, you know, we've been through a lot together with me with nut butters. Um, so I think about like that kind of stuff going forward, like trying to ensure that my mindset isn't. Now I can have 20 grams of carbs of nut butters. You know, like I, I'm not, I'm not then decided, like I'm not posting a picture the day after we, we hit my maintenance and I'm like <laughs> celebrating, celebrating day one without John. I've got this jar of, you know, I bought one of the new jars of the F-bomb nut butters, you know, and I'm eating this whole dang jar with some chicken breast because that, you know, this is enough fat and carbs for me for the day. Like wanting to still remember that I need to keep those tools that support me along the way in place because it will in some ways be like a playground going back to like a higher level of carbon take. And I don't want it to be like, I'm getting distracted by the flashing lights on all the rides at the amusement park and not pay attention to what's actually happening to me. If that makes sense. Yeah. You get so distracted by the ride. You forget to make sure your seats buckled. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good. Um, and I do also realize I want to just send a quick shout out to miles. I understand now that I've been saying, if that makes sense, a lot this episode. So I'm apologizing in advance to everyone. It's probably going to happen again. This is it's just, just what happens. But I know my stupid. So he wants to make sure that no. his intelligent words make sense to us. Exactly. He's going to no, I'm going to get feedback <laughs> from him. He's going to say, oh, that was a great discussion you had with John. Uh, you said, if that makes sense, a lot. So try not to do that anymore. Uh, that's the kind of feedback I get from him. It's great. It helps me. But I know he's I, I immediately said it again and I'm like, oh, goodness, I think I've said that 100 times now. Um, so carbs. So so that's good to know that, because honestly, like from our last discussion about this, like we had a, a pre-discussion, really. Um, we hadn't really talked about when 
that approach, like I know you've already said, you know, it, it's not going to be something you're going to tell me in four weeks we're doing this and two weeks we're doing this. It's going to be more about feeling out what happens to my body. But I feel better knowing that I won't be reintroducing them on my own. If that, you know. Yeah, no, I, I'll be in control of that, mister. I got you. Okay. Okay. Um, and that's also like something like we've talked about is, and I've shared a lot on Instagram is, this isn't all... I'm excited. Like right now, I'd say that I'm more excited about heading into this next phase of my journey. Um, but even up until recently, like I think it's been more the excitement has been outweighed by fear. Um, and maybe it's more because we have it, you know, we're, we're, we're now having these discussions. So it's like fear of the unknown coming into play. But it's that idea of do I think that I can actually do this? Like that for me is the real question that's still at the core of everything. Because I've said before, I've said many times, I'm fantastic at gaining weight and losing weight, however I choose to do it. Like I can change my body easily. And that's, you know, and, and I don't mean easily like there's not pain and suffering. We all know that I, I piss and moan a lot. Um, but I mean, I'm able to figure it out, I guess, if that makes sense. Oh, there we go. Um, what I wonder about in the, the fear piece for <laughs> me is, you yeah, that. you I'm just sorry. got that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the fear piece that comes into play for me is can you like that idea of, of taking a year to, to kind of focus on just kind of building how my life is going to go, even though my life will go many years, knock on wood after that um, is even more daunting than thinking about tracking for a year to lose weight because it's it's the thing I've never been able to do. Just live my life is the thing that I have never been able to do. Um, and I'm excited for that. And, and I'll say like today, like I said this to you earlier in a DM, I'm more excited for that challenge now than I am afraid of it. And I think that's good. Like I, I, that's amazing. I, think, a little health, I think a little healthy fear is good because I think if I was 100% confident, then I'd be missing something. Because it, at the end of the day, will be a big deal. Like, you know, yes, I've come down over 300 pounds from my heaviest weight twice now. But I haven't stayed away from, I haven't stayed that far away from that heaviest weight for more than a couple of months at a time. Like this idea of even being able to get to a year at, at goal is exciting and scary and the total unknown. And I think it's like you said, like it. One of the things that we've we've identified in the past and other guests that I've talked to on the Fat Guy Forum have identified is that you can't just hit a finish line of, of weight loss and drop your goals. And I, I think clearly defining for myself what my goals are as I continue are gonna, is going to be really important for helping keep me on track. Because I know there's going to I'm going to need to I I don't want anyone out there listening because I, I think there are some people I get a lot of questions about. So will you never do X, Y, and Z again? Will you never eat X, Y, and Z again? Will you never do this? And I think there's a prevalent mentality that dieting is a switch that you flip on when you need to flip it on, and then you turn it off. And then maybe you need to flip it on again because you've, you've obviously screwed it up when you turn that switch off. I think instead, like I need to start thinking about what am I building as a sustainable life going forward that keeps me in that place? And know that that means that the food addiction that I have and those issues are never going to go away. Like I, as, as silent as I can make those voices, 
those challenges will still be there. So I need to be vigilant to to watch out for signs of things rearing its head and and cut things off at the pass instead of just letting myself slide. I agree with that wholeheartedly. That reminds me a lot of like with my bulimia. You know, I people tell me, you know, people look to me for encouragement, you know, with the bulimia and the body dysmorphia now. And, you know, they ask me like, how did you recover? And I'm like, I'm always recovering. Um, I've just mm. learned how to make those voices very, very quiet, but I'm vigilant because I know that I know if I start binging, the urge to purge will come back and I can't relapse. Right. Um, it all, it, it's a domino effect. And so like, um, uh, I'm always making sure that I'm in a right place that my relationship with food, even though it's at, it's at its healthiest it's ever been in my life at this point. Um, that I'm doing things like my body affirmation and making sure I'm eating wholesome food and making sure that I don't eat food when I get stressed out or when I'm bored and I do other things and I focus on my life as a whole and, you know, all those things. And I think that that's good because a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people want to think that these things are just going to vanish. And for some people, they do. Mm. Like For some people, you know, they can say I'm completely over my eating disorders um and like i'm not gonna say i'm not like i feel like i am over my eating disorder but only because i'm vigilant about keeping it suppressed you know i feel like anybody that's ever struggled with an eating disorder if they ever let themselves get back into that mindset they could relapse because that's the mindset mm -hmm. that caused the issue and so being vigilant and and building upon and and continuing to enforce that that this newfound foundation and mindset you have towards life and yourself is crucial. And does that mean that it can get your foundation can get so firm and so reinforced that you never worry about those relapses ever again? Sure. But that comes with staying on top of it because, you know, even the strongest foundations can crack if they don't get taken care of. And so like I think it's a, it, it's weird because like a lot of people want to know this want want to have this idea of like pure freedom and I think that it's obtainable as long as you realize that you know, there's still enemies on the other side. We've just learned how to keep them at bay. I, I agree with, with that completely. I, I think, I think vigilance is, is a word and I, and I, and I don't think it has to be exhausting vigilance. Like it has been at different points in my journey. Like it really has been, you know, we've talked about, there are times where I've had to just like white knuckle my way through a day and go to bed at six o'clock so that I don't eat. You know, I know that those are things that I dealt with in the past, and I, I, I don't see that as being my future, but I do see paying attention to what, like, trying to remain cognizant of, of how I'm feeling and how that's interacting with it, and realizing that for me, for the rest of my life, as much as I will work towards food not being a focus, um, food will be connected to my emotions forever. Like, there, there, I don't think there's any way to sever that completely. But it doesn't need to be indulged. It doesn't need to be, you know, allowed to happen. I'm also realistic. Um, I, I, someone, another one of our mutual friends, like, is is big on saying, like, a big part of like coming to the next stages of your journey when it comes to weight loss is realizing you're going to have days where things don't go according to plan. You know, I'm going to have days where I mess up. I'm going to have days where I make bad choices and have to learn from the consequences of those choices. Like, I, and the, the mindset change I think that's needed isn't being willing to make mistakes. Like, that's already, I think, there on some levels. Like, I think it's more 
accepting that making a mistake one time doesn't define what I'm doing. I agree with that 100%. You know, it's like I always try to tell people like messing up is normal. What's not okay is when you let it bleed into tomorrow. Mm. Leave it where it's at. It happened. Learn from it. Move on. Don't, uh, you know, leave your shadow where it needs to be behind you. And I think that's like that really starts to answer like one of the questions like, cause I, I, we've got a couple questions that we've gone through that people ask that I don't think we need to go back to, but one of the questions that, uh, that our friend Aaron asked, I, oh, I don't know if that? he, had, I, yeah, mm. I, I'm honestly, I don't know if he has an Instagram handle or a YouTube channel people should know about. I just know his name is a Aaron. And he said, <laughs> he, he made this comment in question. Um, he, he said, um, huge strides. Huge strides in mindset versus last time, obviously. But what do you think you still need to work on? And I think that concept of dealing with failure and mistakes is one of the big things I have to work on. Like, you know what that's like. You know, was it, you know, two or three weeks ago, I had that that kind of moment where I slipped. And dealing with I realized, you know, it was, it took me probably three days to deal with that. And I can't let missteps or accidental mistakes or chosen mistakes define my life for days afterwards, or I'm just getting trapped in, in a vicious, not healthy cycle that, you know, we know stress can impact weight loss and your weight and everything along in your health. Like, I'm allowing that stress to take over. Like, that's something for me that I really think is, is a big, piece i need to work on yeah i think that's good man i think it's good that you recognize that the the recognition man like that's one thing i, I just love about you like the weight loss aside the weight loss is amazing but just the self-recognition and the mental understanding you have of where you're at what you've overcome and what you need to work on is so beautiful man i mean like you're you're setting yourself up for success like 100 percent well i i really i hope that that's true i feel like at the very least i'm I've been way more mindful of everything along my, my journey this time. And I'm asking questions now, like we're having this discussion. I'm working with you on these, these plans because in the past I didn't do that. That was the missing piece for me. Like the first conversation we had about coaching, I said, I need someone to help me get through the end of this. Like that's, I just the fact that I was able to vocalize that out loud was a big thing to me. Like I'm, I've always been a face every, all your problems by yourself person. Like, and I think trying to share my challenges has been something that's helped me because it also then forces me one, sometimes it, it allows me to hear how ridiculous I sound because we all know that I can sound ridiculous. Like if you follow my Instagram, you know that John, you know, this from some of our conversations, like I can, conversations. In, I, uh, I can turn things in, I can turn things into, I can turn molehills into mountains easily. Like when I was panicking about hunger last week. And I was making these dramatic posts about my eating disorder rearing its head and all of that. And and you kind of just said to me, Do you have you thought about maybe you're just hungry? Like, <laughs> you know, look, he goes, look, you know, you said to me, like, look at your calories. Like, we're like 300, 400 calories down from where you were a month and a half ago. Like, dude, you're hungry. People are hungry. Like, I think that's important. Like we, 
I I also like I sometimes want to apply drama to every facet of this journey and make everything a milestone and everything, you know, important. And it doesn't all have to be that way. Like it's some of it eventually. And and that's what's teaching me that eventually it just has to become life. Like um, I, I, I think about that in terms of the context of defining my identity going forward after this. Like if I'm not losing weight, am I the same person? Like, because for a, the longest time I was the big fat guy that ate all the big fat meals. Um, and now I'm the keto guy that loses weight. Like, where do I, you know, defining who I become next, I think is an exciting part of this, but also something I can't get so wrapped up in that I let myself try to retreat to any other old behaviors. So I, I think that cognizance has, has got to be something that I work on. Yeah, man, I think that'd be good for you. So cool. Um, let's see. Let me let me look at these other questions because I want to. I feel like we've we've been talking about a lot of really great things. Like someone else asked, um, I think it was Allison asked, um, any other health or fitness goals that come next? Um, obviously, like we've we've talked about a lot of that. Like where you know the goal of of kind of building a strong, sustainable lifestyle for myself is really important. I think for me, one of the keys because we know that along the way through all you know two. 250 plus pounds I've lost keto that exercise and my exercise goals have to be something that, you know, that I still continue to work on. Like I, I think there still will be routine to my fitness because exercise is not really, you know, as much as exercise helps with, you know, hormone regulation and supporting metabolism and all of that, like weight loss has been mostly about what I eat. Like exercise for me has become about, my fitness, my actual cardiovascular fitness, like the health of my body, like, am I helping my body? And I do that to help my body and I want to get stronger. And, um, I think I'll continue to build on those goals. And, um, but I think being able to keep that routine as a part of my life is going to be really important. Cause I've had people ask me that question, people that know me in my day to day life. Cause you know, when I do my weekday workouts, I get up and I'm at the gym at like four 30. Like I I've had someone the other day in the office say, so when you're done, are you still going to go to the gym at 4.30 in the morning? And I, I don't see why I wouldn't. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's now, that's a different, the workout routine is a different thing in my life than just my eating. Wow. So I, I no. think keep, keeping that going is something that I need, to, I need to work on. And also then evolving it. Like, I've also, you know, I've, I've mentioned to you, like, one of the things I want to look at doing when I when I get to the end of of our relationship, um, which that's the, the topic I want to move into. I'm saying that like is, we're breaking up. I do. We're gonna we're gonna. I don't want you to start crying. Um, but I want to. <laughs> I want to. I want to take some of the resources I devote to coaching, um, money that I devote to coaching, um, and look at joining a different gym and, and getting into something that would be considered more of a quote unquote real gym. Um, you know, and having CrossFit. a different. Hey, you never know. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like if I, I could get some good resources um, from Obese to Beast about on CrossFit, I got, and I have some other friends. Poro does CrossFit too, um, but I don't. I don't know if that'll ever be for me. I'm terrified, um, and not necessarily about group work. But I, I think I'd like to. to I want to. I want to be able to find a gym where I can see. You know, like especially like because I know that building strength is something I do want to work on and focus on eventually. Like. I want to find a, an environment and gym community that is 
more supportive of that than Planet Fitness. Um, I just like to find a gym that doesn't keep candy at the front desk, to be 100% honest. Like, I think that would be a good idea. Um, good luck. Although, um, I was talking to someone the other day who got on a, on a treadmill at, at their gym and found an onion skin in the treadmill cup holder. And I'm, wa- I'm waiting for the onion diet to show up. Like, who, what, what is that person doing with raw onion at the gym? Like, that's just maybe, fascinating to Maybe me. they're sweating and crying. They're getting liquids out of everything. I don't know. Like, maybe that's a burn where you haven't thought about rubbing onion all over your body. Um, so I think those are some of my goals when it, like, and obviously I think health is, you know, keeping all my numbers great, you know, like having, keep, keeping hearing good news from the doctor when I go to the doctor and, and maintaining a relationship with my doctor, I think is really important. Um, let's see what else. Is there anything? Oh, someone um, named uh, Millais, Mil, Mil, Moyes. Oh, Miles. Miles um, said, will having carb days in quotes, so I'm assuming like high carb days, um, mess up any metabolic advantages uh, gained by using the deeper state keto macros? Um, um, and I think he means this not not in the context of him asking for himself. I know you were thinking that that's what that was. Um, I think he means. Okay, like, don't so give me, me in going, trouble. I was just giving him a hard time. Stop it. Me, <laughs> me going forward. So when I'm in this maintenance, you know, I'm in my maintenance phase and I'm living my life. I have a day where I, you know, I eat something way off. I go off the rails. Like you and I started to talk about that. We talked about like one of the things I really want to do is I want to travel Europe. And so there's a good chance that when I'm in Europe, I'm going to have food opportunities that I'm never going to have again in my life. And I'm going to probably choose to partake in. Um, What is what is your philosophy for my approach to things like that? So. First off, and you know I'm going to say this, I plan on eating keto for the rest of my life. I I feel no right. urge to – doesn't matter where I'm at on earth. You know, I just have no urge to want to eat anything that is carb or sugar-laden. It's just how I am. Right. If you ask me what I think you should do, I'm going to tell you not to go near that stuff. But, but – That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking when, is I what know. to do when I, when I do do it. So that's what I was getting at. Let me finish okay. my sentence, man. I'm I'm the coach here. Never. Okay. Never. So are you? <laughs> yes. Stop it. <laughs> so for, n- for now. For now. For now. <laughs> uh, for now. For now. Um, but it it's your life, and so if you decide to enjoy something that is part of a culture that you're experiencing, you know that's what you need to remember. At the end of the day, it doesn't control you. It doesn't define the day. It's just something that you enjoyed in that moment that was part of an experience. The food is not the experience. The food was just part of a much bigger experience that you were enjoying and just leave it at that. Enjoy it for what it is, part of the experience and then just leave it and move on and just go on to your keto macros um you know as you normally would. Like I wouldn't overthink it. Like I wouldn't yeah. Like if like you have like a day where like you decide to have, you know, pizza from Italy because you're in Italy and you're like, I want to try pizza here and you decide to do that. Don't like fast for three days to make up for it. Like just go back to your normal way of eating the next day, you know, right. like, don't or even the even the next meal, like you could eat keto or fast in the morning and then just enjoy pizza. And then the next meal could just be like something ketogenic because, you know, it's going to help you feel better the next day instead of just eating more carbs and like just that's what I'm talking about, like the intuitive stuff, like basing right. your food off of how you feel. Like if you eat pizza, you know that if you eat more carbs, it's going to make you feel icky. So instead, you're going to eat keto because you know it's going to help you bounce back better 
and you'll get to enjoy the rest of your vacation and you still got to have that experience. Um, and so just seeing it as part of an experience and not overthinking it and not trying to recover from it, quote unquote. Great. I, I think that I think that's exactly um, that's that's what I wanted us to talk about and people to hear. I don't know if that's what Miles wanted to hear. Uh, I, think I think he, he wanted, wanted to, hear... to hear. I know I can I can I can answer what he wanted to hear if you if you want me to. Sure, go ahead. So, in terms of hormonally and metabolic flexibility, or the fat adaptation of a deeper state keto uh, approach, which you know I say this a lot, like my coaching isn't the program. It's just that the program is built by Robert and me and right. my SDSK coaches agree a lot with what Robert does foundationally on higher fat ratios. So that puts you in a very deep state of ketosis. A lot of things change down to like the mitochondrial level. Um, however, science has shown that metabolic adaptation is a thing and you can get good at switching back and forth. And so I don't think as long as most of your days are a higher fat ratio, which like, you know, Mike feels good at and, you know, Miles might feel good at as he as he adapts even further in it. Um, you know, as long as that's 90 percent of the time, if you have a day where you decide to have carbs. Um, I don't see why your body wouldn't easily just bounce back into the normal rhythm of things because it is flexible at adapting to its environment and it's very accustomed and adapted to that higher fat ratio. So I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it as long as they're seldom and, and few, you know, and far between. They're not like you know, every right. once a month for you know fifteen days straight, you just eat a bowl of Rice Krispies every morning. I wouldn't do that. But <laughs> did I ever tell you how I used to eat Rice Krispies? Uh uh-uh. no so the, you'll love this so i used okay. to eat rice krispies uh obviously whole milk um and if i'm being 100 percent honest i eventually i when i was at my heaviest and um i would use half and half for cereal because i liked it i thought it was it was creamier than whole milk um so i used You're that more savage i know um well we're, we're we're still got places to go with this rice krispie story so i used to <laughs> i used to put the rice krispies in the bowl, pour in the half and half, and then I would just sit with a jar and spoon on sugar. And spoon on sugar because the thing I wanted was one to feel the crunch of the sugar when I was eating the rice krispies. Like I liked that. Two, I loved at the end when I was done slurping the milk that there was this sludgy, sugary, milky mess left behind that I would have to eat with a spoon. I hated um, that sludge. Ugh. And this is this is what I did. Like it was, I, so I, I can even vividly remember the, the kind of the glistening crystals of sugar in the, the remnants of the milk like that. Like I could see it sticking out of the remnants of the milk, like the piles of sugar that would fall to the bottom of the bowl. Um, and that's how I ate rice krispies. So if that's people out there are listening floor, to this, please don't take that as a suggestion. Please take that <laughs> as a warning. If that's something that you do, I ended up 540 pounds, diabetic, circulation issues, and all kinds of problems. Stop scooping sugar onto your cereal. I mean, oh you should stop geez. with cereal anyway, but you know. Um, yeah, and I never like sugar wanna, Myers Krispies. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to offend any of the if it fits your macros people listening and tell them not to eat their cereal. But you don't need the spoonfuls of sugar on top of the sugary cereal already. Is all I'm going to say. On the other hand, a Rice Krispie treat. With marshmallows and butter, those are those aren't bad. Those aren't those are pretty. Those are pretty good. Those are pretty the good day, as well. The day we um, get done coaching, it's gonna be like I know. Yeah, I use uh, my carbs for. <laughs> it's yeah. just a rice yeah, treat. 
John, I figured out that 30 total carbs, I can have two and a half chips Ahoy cookies. So that's what I'm going to have. I'm having, and I become the, I become the, I, I changed my, my name on Instagram to the cookie carnivore. And all I do every day is eat 30 grams of a cookie of some kind, a different one every day. I got to keep it, I got to keep it fresh for content and then meat. And that's all I do for the rest of my life. I'm the cookie carnivore. I like that. I like that brand. I think I'm going to have to make that happen. Um, no, well, I, I'm not going to be doing I'm that. Say, I like Stop the brand, con- but you should do, you should do keto cookies because they're low carb. So uh, uh, you can get more. Uh, I'm, I am going to throw it out there right now. I honestly, there is literally only one keto cookie that I think I've eaten where I've actually said, well, actually, no, two. That's a lie. Um, I love, I, I like, I love the goodies peanut butter cookie mix. I think, I think goodies mixes are great. But as far as pre, pre-made cookies, the only one that I really like is, and I don't know if you've had this one. I don't know if you tried it at KetoCon. It's the high key cho- mini chocolate chip cookies. Oh, dude, my my wife has like three boxes in the pantry. I have to avoid them like the plague. They are famous Amos cookies reincarnated. They taste like, like damn. They taste like mini chip ahoys. Oh, they're fantastic. They are they are great as a and I'll, this. I'm not sponsored by High Key. I don't have any kind of relationship with them. I don't want you guys to think I'm shilling for them. These cookies. These are good as a cookie, so they're dangerous for me. So I don't keep them around. I don't buy them. Um, I I'm usually. scared um, all the time when I walk in the pantry and I'm they, hungry. They are a good cookie, and now there are other keto cookies out there that are like an okay cookie substitute if you really feel like you need to have a cookie. Like that's great. These are hands down the best keto cookie, and I'm not shilling for them. If they're listening and they want to send me some. I'm not going to say no because these are that good, but I'm not asking yeah, me too. You to do that. Like that's me a, too. That's no, <laughs> me too. none for John. Your wife already has some. You're fine. Um, so, so John, we've been talking for a long time, and I think we've gotten into a lot of really great topics. And we've started to really, we've started to talk about the the pic, the big picture for me. What happens after your, your our coaching is done? But can we just? I would just like for people to hear from you. Like, so what happens? What happens when we, we hit that maintenance point and we finish reverse dieting? What happens well, with th- us? Oh, you're talking about our relationship? Yes. Or what happens with how does the coaching process end? Like in your mind, how does that end? Um, it ends with a goodbye. It was great working with you. <laughs> and, then, and then I turn off the Slack channel that we use. Um, well, yeah, I, I expect but- that. Yeah, so that's the technical side. In terms of relationship, man, I mean, I think, you know, you were you were my first client ever as a deeper state keto coach. And I think that it goes without saying that even though we have a client and coach relationship, um, which paid or not paid, if I'm not doing your macros, I don't think that's ever going to change. I think there's always going to be a sense of you should know that you can always come to me for advice and accountability. Like I'm just not going to be doing your macros on a spreadsheet every day, every week. But in terms of reaching out to me on the daily, I'm pretty sure we're never going to stop. We're going to talk every day. It's just because I think that our relationship has developed into a friendship, which I I hope to do with a lot of my clients. I, I hate when I have clients that they don't stay around long enough for us to develop uh, a, a stronger bond so that when they're done, you know, we can still chat. I can check up on them and it's genuine. Whereas with you, you know, I know that if I ever wanted to fly to Rhode Island, I could crash at your place. Like 
I know that we we've developed a good relationship and we've developed a friendship. You know, you're like you're now right now you're like one of my best friends. You know, and mm. so you know seeing that develop, and I really think that even after we're done officially being client and coach, I think that not only will we still have a friendship that'll keep us in touch, but I think that you know something I want you to know is that like I'm always going to be here for you as a coach and as someone to like help you like navigate all of this. Great. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you, man. And in, in all those ways, um, I, I do have one other question I want to ask about this part of what we're talking about. And then we're actually going to move into a new feature on the podcast. I'm excited about this, but so let, let's, let's take this back. Cause this has really been about like, what, you know, what are my next steps? How are we going to work on that together? Like what is the technical process? And then what's also the mindset process? And I think we've done a really great job exploring that today. So I, I appreciate your time to do that. Like, I appreciate us kind of opening the doors uh, for people to kind of hear this. Um, so if I had to say to you, like, so I, I'm not I'm not Mike talking to you now. I'm someone else talking to you about me. Um, what do you think is the the one big piece of advice you would give me going forward as I head towards the end of this journey? Oof. Okay. That put me on the spot. I has not know. Dang. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's so many things I want to say. There's so many, there's so many ways I would want to answer that question. Um, I guess the biggest piece of advice is to always remember no matter what happens, no matter how much you're navigating this, no matter as you mature even more so in your relationship with food and your life, Always remember how far you've been able to come already. Like, I think that a lot of people always say, remember, remember where you came from. Like, remember the bad times and compare it to now. Or they say, remember your goals. But I think it's just remembering how much you've already accomplished. Like, just focusing on the fact that you've already overcame so much and you've developed into such a new person uh, in all facets of your life. You know, I think that there's any advice I could give you, um, you know, always remember that and hold on to that. And I think that that is, that will be a great, that's going to be a great reminder and foundation and encourager for you as you go on to this next, this next chapter of, of your life, you know, as a whole. Awesome. Well, thank you uh, for this, this part of our discussion, John, as I, as I just teased a few minutes ago, uh, we're introducing something new at the Fat Guy Forum today. Uh, I've I've wanted to since the beginning find a way to end each episode uh, beyond just saying goodbye and talking about social channels and all that stuff. Uh, so what we're introducing this week is something I'm calling the Fat Guy Five. Uh, will there be a theme song that that cuts in right now and plays? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe eventually. <laughs> um, not yet. I I, I want to get I want to get some game show music. I think, but we'll figure that out. Uh, so basically what this is, is I have five questions I'm going to ask every guest that comes to the Fat Guy Forum, and I'm going to give them a chance to give their answers as succinctly as possible. But if they need a little extra time, that's fine, too. But these are going to be the same five questions that I ask everyone, because I feel like these questions go to the foundation of, of what the Fat Guy Forum is about for me. So and I'm the host. So that's most important, isn't it? At the end of the day. So here we go. Are you ready, John, for the Fat Guy Five? I feel like I'm on Jeopardy. Let's do it. 
I know, right? You ready? Okay, so question number one. Living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Oh, man. Um, mm, 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 fat Albert. Fat That's Albert. Fair. There you go. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. I don't even have to ask why. I know why. I know why. I don't know why. <laughs> I, and I kind of I kind of don't want to know why. So we're going to move on to question number two. Question number two. John, as those of you who watched, if you haven't already, John was on. John was actually the first guest I had on the Fat Guy Forum. So go back, and I think it's episode four. Go back if you haven't heard that one yet. We hear all about John's story. And I didn't get to really ask you this question at that time because the Fat Guy 5 didn't exist, John. So put yourself back in the shoes of, of being the overweight kid that you were. And tell me, John, what is your favorite Fat Guy meal? Um, so my mom used to recycle Crockett better, uh, um, the Crockett butter bowls, you know, like the half gallons of the Crockett butter or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what that is. It like a tub of butter, like it's like a tub, tub of butter. Or... It's like, yeah, it's like half a okay. gallon. It's huge. Just like the size of like a bluebell okay. gallon or whatever. Anyways. So she would like, when we emptied those, she would use them as like uh, bowls. And so my favorite mm -hmm. meal was filling that up with Captain Crunch. And I would ah. eat the whole thing like five times. I would do like five bowls of that until like I couldn't feel my face. That was my mm. favorite meal. <laughs> well, that's what I was, I was going to ask you because honestly, I used to eat Captain Crunch all the time and I never experienced this. But people say that when you eat a lot of Captain Crunch, it starts to numb the inside of your mouth. Is that true? It does. And then like the sugar rush, if you eat like, I mean, like, because I would go through like half of like the gigantic bags when I ate it. So like, I mean, you're talking. I mean, eight servings of 20 grams of sugar. So you're talking like mm. almost 200 grams of sugar. And I'm like, I'm like 13 years old. So like, I'm like in a sugar coma. I can't feel my mouth. Oh, like yeah. I literally could not feel my face. <laughs> Great. I'm, gl I'm glad you don't do that anymore. Um, question number three. So this is the Fat Guy Forum. So there are probably fat dudes out there listening that want to make change in their lives. Uh, maybe there's some that aren't. That's fine, too. But, you know, there's guys out there that are looking for advice in terms of getting going on a journey or just advice in general. So what is your biggest tip to the fat dudes out there that want to make change in their life? I guess my biggest piece of advice would be to. Hmm, I'm trying to say something that's not cliche. You know, I feel like everybody has like mm -hmm. that really, you know, but I guess. Life is more than what's right in front of you. And what I mean by that is that like often we get caught up in like this thing that's right in front of us. So like we hesitate and go into our life or taking that next step or we hesitate, um, you know, not taking that first step. And it's like, well, you know, you have to look at the long game. Like, are you going to be here in 10 years? Are you going to be here in 15 years? And so being being willing to see it from that aspect and, you know, remembering that why and, and, and pushing forward um, and trying to see life through the long term and the marathon and not just like today and the fact that you're not ready to give up this cookie, um, I think is, is very powerful and a, and a very advantageous mindset shift. Great. I like it. 
Question number four, John. We're, almost, we're, we're three quarters of the way through the Fat Guy Five. John, what book, podcast, YouTube channel, or other resource would you recommend to listeners out there if they're looking for motivation? Motivation? Yeah. Uh, I do not. The Bible. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I can't think of it. I don't listen to any motivational podcasts or read any motivational books. I'm a terrible human. Oh, it doesn't. I'm not. Um, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be a, a podcast about motivation. I'm just saying, like, if they're looking for motivation, like if they're looking for something to help them with motivation or give them a little oh, motivation, like, just, like what like what motivate them to like do yeah. something. Yeah, definitely the Keto Savage podcast, and I'm not saying that just because like I'm, Robert's like my boss. But the the guests that he has on mm -hmm. there are so varied, and there's just so many things they get talked about, from like you know like cancer to health to diabetes to molecular level stuff. Like it's crazy, and like you listen to like ten of those podcasts, and you learn so much about your body, it just motivates you to really start focusing on it and taking control of your health. So I definitely recommend that podcast. Great. Um, I did want to ask, kind of in a part two of that question, just to you specifically. Um, do you know of any free newsletters that people might want to sign up for? Oh, am I supposed to? Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so I have a newsletter. It's on my Instagram. You do? I do. I do. It's called Tip oh, wow. Tuesday. Wow. It's not. It's not. Well, I don't know. What do you think about Tip Tuesday? I don't really ask people what they think about. It. I just send it out. Do you think it's helpful? I, I do. I think it's very informative, and I think you cover topics that people don't always dive into. So I think it's a great resource for people. So if you go to my Instagram at the Keto Road and you click on my link, you'll see one for Tip Tuesday, and you just put in your email. Like it's free, it's no charge, and I just send out an email every Tuesday. I don't know if I'm gonna get one out this Tuesday because I'm on my cruise, but I get you know every Tuesday you get one. Um, it's free. There's no ads. I don't like, I don't like. It's not like every couple weeks I'll send you an, uh, an extra email with an ad. Like it's only the newsletter. Like I just do this because I want to mm. give you guys info. So please feel free to um, subscribe to that. I would, you know, I would love to share my knowledge with you guys. There you go. There you go. And one last question, John, can you tell me one of your goals for the next year that is not weight loss, fitness or health related? Damn. <laughs> Why do you do that to me? Um, that's like you, my whole life. I, I, Wait, everything. I, just, I want is I want three subjects. I want I want everyone out there to know. I said to John, "You're going to be the first person to hear the Fat Guy Five. Do you want to know the questions in advance?" And you said, "No, hit me with them. I want to get them." So I'm hitting <laughs> you with them, John. What's no, I what like is it. one of I your like non? It. Definitely, go ahead. I guess one of my goals in the next year is to make sure that um, that me and my wife are the best that we can be. I know that sounds weird. People are going to go, oh, yeah. but, uh, you know, that's something that I've really been focusing on this year. And I really want to make it a goal where, um, you know, outside of my business and my coaching life that I'm making sure that, you know, she's a priority and that I'm focusing on her and giving her the attention she deserves and helping build her up. So that's definitely a huge goal of mine this year. There you go. That sounds great, man. Well, thank you so much again, Jonathan Shane, for being on the podcast with me here. Uh, I had a great time talking to you about all of this today. I'm really, really glad that you came back. Can you tell the people listening how they can find you if they are interested in talking to you some more? 
Yes, I have like a bunch of outlets. Are y'all ready? So first one's email. I love getting emails. Uh, theketoroad at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at theketoroad. You can find me at Facebook on that. So uh, facebook.com slash theketoroad. You can find me on Twitter at Keto Road, and then you can find me on one of my newest platforms. is called TikTok, and you can find me there on at the Keto Road. Um, so you can follow me, like, watch my stuff, and DM me and reach out to me via message on all of those platforms. And what's your YouTube channel called? Oh, the Keto Road. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure they got that too. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well. well any, any, anything else you want to say, John, you didn't get to say during our discussion? I want to give you one last chance. Not really, man. I mean, whoever is listening, like, I will say, like, I'm sure a lot of y'all have heard uh, Mike's story and his, and his stuff, and I hope it inspires and motivates you. But, you know, if there's anything that you can leave with, it's that, you know, getting to the point that Mike's at takes work, and it starts with today. And so if you're struggling or you're trying to – you're you're contemplating taking that first step or contemplating taking that next step or contemplating getting a coach or contemplating, you know, tracking total carbs and trying to take that next step to help better your life. It's worth it. And you should go for it. Great. That sounds awesome, man. So everyone, this is Gourmet, your host or Mike, whatever you want to call me now. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto at Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, I am Gourmet Goes Keto, no dashes or anything. Or you can also email the show at the Fat Guy Forum at gmail.com. If you are listening on iTunes, I do always appreciate if you give us a rating and a review. That helps get us in front of more people. And tell your friends and family about the show. I really would, would love to hear from some new people. So if you are interested in talking to me about what comes next, hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll be talking to you all real soon. Thanks so much. We'll catch you again soon on the Fat Guy Forum.